We don't want the earning of the seal to be considered elitist or just AP and IB students. Um, want it to be inclusive of a very um, large demographic of students. Um, so we do, we want, we want to draw on a very much broader, diverse population. And in fact, when we have collected data and done a two-year comparison, we have found that 60%, nearly 60% of the students that are earning the SEAL are doing it through competency testing, not through IB and uh, AP courses. Welcome to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that explores the world of English language learners and how we can make a greater impact. Each episode, we bring you voices from across the ELL community to discuss the issues that matter most. Highest Aspirations is brought to you by Elevation Education, your partner for ELL program management and instruction. Hey everybody, welcome back to Highest Aspirations. I'm your host, Steve Sophronis. How can state-level agencies help promote the successful implementation of the seal of biliteracy in school districts? Why is it so important to track data on who is earning the seal, and how might organizations go about doing it? What are some ways to ensure equitable access to the seal of biliteracy for all students, and how are states like Washington providing resources to make that happen? We discuss these questions and much more in our conversation with Angela Davila and Patty Finnegan from Washington State's Office of Superintendent of Public Instruction. Angela Davila is the Washington State World Language Program Supervisor. Previously, she coordinated foreign language programs worldwide for the Department of Defense Education activity in Arlington, Virginia. She has also served as World Language Curriculum Coach and Developer for the Bellevue School District, World Language Facilitator for the Highline School District, and Spanish teacher in Bellevue and Highline School Districts for a total of 26 years. She also directed language immersion camps in five languages at Camp Waskowitz in the foothills of the Cascade Mountains while working in the Highline District. Patty Finnegan's work as a teacher, teacher educator, state-level administrator, and educational researcher continues to be fueled by her passion to serve traditionally marginalized students. She has led professional learning on effective program development and instructional practices for English learners and students with disabilities. Patty serves as Special Projects Program Supervisor with the Washington State's Office of Superintendent of Public Instruction's Migrant and Bilingual Education Office and facilitates Washington's K-12 Dual Language Initiative. Patty and Angela's experience and current positions bring us a unique perspective on implementation of the seal of biliteracy at the state level. Let's get started. Hello, Patty and Angela. Welcome to Highest Aspirations. Hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. Thank you for having us on. We're excited. Oh, absolutely. We're excited as well. This is um, a great sort of follow-up to a couple episodes we did um, on the seal of biliteracy in a very sort of general sense. And this is a really, um, I think, more specific episode about how you all uh, are doing it in, in Washington State. So, Let's dive right in. I, I want to start off, um, Angela, with the why behind the work you're doing with the SEAL of Biliteracy at the state level. What do you think the key elements of the SEAL are, and how are you trying to expand its reach? I know that's kind of a large question, but if you could give us just a little summary of that to get us started, that'd be great. Absolutely, Steve. Well, as your podcast uh, 
I think it's, it's uh, referenced highest aspirations. We have high aspirations in Washington State as well. And um, we want our students to be proficient in at least two languages, English and at least one other, and preferably in multiple languages. So um, to date, we have awarded over 7,000 seals of biliteracy in Washington State. Uh, when we, we were enacted uh, by Governor Inslee in 2014, and we've been keeping data since 2015. And so that 7,000 uh, more or more seals is uh, recorded since 2015. Uh, we've had a 44% increase in seals awarded since 2017. So we are on a roll, uh, and I think that's pretty remarkable because participation by the school districts is voluntary. Uh, this was legislated, it was enacted, but it wasn't uh, considered mandatory. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think the excitement is that we are able to honor students who obviously get high grades in AP and IB exams, but even probably more important is the fact that so many students are taking competency testing to be able to qualify for the seal of biliteracy by graduation. And that really underlines our state's uh, intent to um, protect the state's richness of herit and in heritage of multiple languages and diverse communities, including Native American languages and American Sign Language. So we feel these skills are really important to not only the local economy, economy but, but the global economy. economy. Um, our, to be really uh, legally specific, our state's uh, legislature's intent is to promote and recognize linguistic proficiency and cultural literacy in one or more languages in addition to English through the establishment of the seal of biliteracy. Um, we want to test students in speaking, reading, and writing the language that they're presenting uh, mm -hmm. if the language has all those skills. Some don't. Um, in our, our curriculum in our schools, the emphasis is on proficiency development and, uh, and dual language immersion for all students. Uh, and in terms of how do we reach out and expand the reach of, of the SEAL, I think it really, the focus is on the student. We sure. want to expand their reach in their life journey. Uh, do they want to go to college? How does this help them go to college? Which it does. Um, as English language learners, they're getting credit for two languages. They're being honored for it by graduation. Uh, we feel that bilingual employees better participate in the global political and social and economic arenas. And, um, and this just helps students maintain language and culture for life, which is an asset. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a really great summary. You've given us lots of information there, and we're going to dive more specifically into some of those pieces later. But just to kind of take a couple points out, I think like if I could condense that, you know, you're really getting into the benefit of, uh, of the seal of biliteracy and all the sort of programs it offers in districts to the student um, at, at, at the present time, the benefit that the student gets, and then the benefit to the student later. And then not only that, but the benefit sort of to society in general, you know, when you mentioned the idea of having sort of, uh, you know, a, a bilingual person is going to be able to contribute better to a global workforce, and that's going to help state, local, um, and, and sort of nat national economy as well. So all the elements are there. And I think you also mentioned, you know, the idea that students can attain it by taking AP courses, 
Um, English learners can sort of, I love that you use the word honor, they're sort of uh, native languages as well and their knowledge there. So it sounds like you have all of the bases covered there. Thank you for providing us with that summary. That's not easy to do because there's a lot of information there. And those stats are unreal. I mean, those numbers, 7,000 since 2014. I know you said you've only been keeping data since 2015. And the right. data is another important piece as well. So really, congratulations on that work. That's amazing. Thank you. And our students are allowed to take competency tests in a number of languages. They're not limited to being honored for bilingualism and biliteracy. Uh, it can be multilingualism and multiliterate. So that is also the, you know, the, the sky's the limit. That's great. So I know that 20% of students who are earning the CL in Washington are English learners. Um, and I'm curious as to, because in many states, it's, it's just been really difficult to track that data or there's nothing in place to track it. So my first question is, how are you tracking that data? And then why do you think that statistic um, is so important? Patty, could you start us off with that question? Sure. So we track the data uh, with school districts uploading who has earned the seal, and um, but also the competency credits for world language. So that goes into our state education data system, and then from that we um, draw off analyses and um, very carefully watch actually the number of number and percent of English learners obtaining the seal because equity is a priority for us. Yeah. And have that equity sort of play out in hard data um, and be able to present that, I imagine is pretty powerful. Absolutely. And I'll just um, go into uh, the why, if that's okay, Steve. Please do. Okay. So uh, in, a, in Washington, the vision alignment for equity and, um, for English learners is a top priority and is explicit all the way from our governor to um, many of our legislators and also our state superintendent of public schools. Um, the vision is that we close opportunity gaps and that we use dual language education to do so. And uh, we have a law that was passed by our legislature in 2017 that prioritizes uh, English learners and Native American students for dual language education. Um, and then our superintendent, uh, Superintendent Rakedal, his vision for dual language is that all students in Washington would have access to dual language education by 2030. And again, prioritizing English learners and Native American students for two-way dual language programs. Mm -hmm. And if demograph demographics in a school or di district um, wouldn't support a two-way dual language program, then the priority is a one-way dual language program for, again, English learners and or Native American students. Yeah, so it sounds like, you know, you have all the elements in place, both from a state education level and sort of a, just the state politics level, leadership level, to have a vision in place that allows you to construct a program and sort of backwards design it to use the seal to really um, address those, as you call them, those opportunity gaps, and to put those dual language programs in place and have the seal kind of support that. Am I, am I on the right track there? That's correct. So uh, the seal of literacy would be uh, something that would uh, be planned out through a K-12 dual language education program. And uh, we would anticipate that all the students in dual language would be able to obtain or 
the seal of biliteracy maybe at the end of middle school or um, some at some point through high school. That's great. So let's shift over a little bit more to, you know, like just the student level and getting these, these students really kind of excited about this to go and, uh, and try to access the SEAL. What have you done to both encourage students to become bilingual um, and honor your ELs who come with other languages? Those are sort of, I mean, I was a foreign language teacher for a while and now I'm, I'm, I'm firmly entrenched in the EL space. And as much as there's similarities there, there are also some differences. So I'm just curious um, sort of how you encourage students from both of those um, areas to become bilingual. Districts in our state, um, everybody's trying to put together dual language education programs, or most everybody is actively working on that. And um, at the same time, we have um, robust English language development programs for our English learners. And um, folks who run those programs are encouraging the students to um, maintain their heritage language through after-school heritage language programs, or some of them are actually within the school day. And they could use um, Title III funds, for example, for mm -hmm. that purpose. And um, also, uh, we have some districts that are doing uh, universal screening of their English learners um, in their heritage language to determine their proficiency level and what might be needed in order for them to achieve the level needed for the seal of literacy. Sure, so figure out where they are and then determine sort of what, what it needs to be done in order to get them there. Exactly. And, and if you wouldn't mind, Steve, um, backtracking on the importance of that data and closing the achievement gap mm -hmm. that Patty had mentioned, um, we need to collect data to, to provide interventions, if you will. Um, for example, uh, migrant students could be earning credit retrieval through competency testing and earning the seal. And if we can see that we have low numbers in the data on migrant students on that demographic, then we can, do, we can strategize to help uh, improve the access. Um, because we don't want the earning of the seal to be considered elitist or just AP and IB students. Sure. Um, want it to be inclusive of a very um, large demographic of students. Um, so we do, we, we want to draw on a very much broader, diverse population. And in fact, when we have collected data and done a two year comparison, we have found that 60%, nearly 60% of the students that are earning the SEAL are doing it through competency testing, not through IB and uh, AP courses. So about 40% would be doing the, um, the qualifying through the other pathway. Mm -hmm. So um, we have a very robust website that uh, provides video testimonials from Washington State English language learning students about how they feel about earning the SEAL. They're really proud, and, and they're, they're feeling comfortable to speak their truth about their own heritage language and being able to express that in really proficient English, so, uh, which is obviously part of the requirement of the SEAL. So we're, we're very happy to have that posted on the competency credit and testing website for people to see. Um, there are so many native languages uh, and cultures that are represented in the state of Washington, uh, the biggest being Spanish, but I mean, 
with Bulgarian and Filipino and Marshallese. And, mm -hmm. um, and when we are able to capture some testimonials from students about how they, they feel that they're being more honored and they're fitting in better in school, I think that's very encouraging to other students as well about the importance of being bilingual and how it is an honor to be in the English language program, English language learning program, uh, as well as the mainstream program, everybody wins. Yeah, for sure. I, I just love what you just mentioned there. I mean, you know, the idea of, I mean, I, you know, I guess I, in some ways you're sort of, it's, it's kind of social marketing, putting those videos out and letting folks know, you know, how these students feel, the pride that they feel in earning the seal, the pride that they feel in being bilingual, biliterate. I think that's that's crucial. And I feel like now it's that's sort of happening a little bit more with um, with districts and states putting out those videos, telling those stories. And it's mm -hmm. really, really nice to hear that. And I think that is a great way to sort of um, make sure that to kind of bring up a point that you brought up before that this is not some elitist thing that, you know, you have to be an AP student um, who's learning a language, a second language in order to get this. Um, so I just, I just love that. And I love to see schools kind of, because it's not a sort of a, I don't know, I was a teacher for a long time and it's not really a natural thing to do to kind of market these types of things. And I, I hesitate to use the term market, but I think that's what it is. Letting folks know um, what's happening. So uh, it's just wonderful that you all are doing that. Well, and it tends to almost market itself. Yeah. Word of mouth and the excitement that gets uh, spread by the success of it and the popularity of it. Um, I have to say sometimes whether a, a district administration may, may be lukewarm on stepping up uh, because most, most administrators don't speak a, spec a second language. They may have a high appreciation for it. Mm -hmm. But when you get somebody like yourself that's a world language teacher that's highly invested in language uh, and advancing the interests of language for all kids, then you get, um, and, and a school counselor or a community member mm -hmm. um, or students, you know, I want to be able to earn the seal. How do we do this? So yep. it can be grassroots at the district so level. And then we help at the state level to guide that along. And everybody gets swept up in the process in a positive way. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great way to get swept up. It's a great thing to get swept up in. It's a really positive story. So, um, Angela, what, what I think seems like one of the biggest obstacles, at least in my view, what I've seen, and I'm certainly not uh, an expert to the extent that you all are, but it seems that one of the biggest obstacles is, um, is the availability and or the cost of proficiency assessments in multiple languages. Could you talk a little bit about how you are addressing that issue? Absolutely. Um, as it stands right now, uh, the burden uh, is on the districts to either uh, support the students that are going to be taking competency testing to earn the seal uh, through any kind of funding that they can sort of uh, cobble together, or they, they let in their communication systems, they let families know that it will be on the student. So uh, uh, it can be problematic as the program grows, as more students want to come on board, um, I have an example of one district just north of Seattle. Um, they reported to us that um, the cost of testing fees for their student students had risen from 2016, which was $6,493, to um, $22,767 wow. in 2018. 
Now that reflects a big jump in the students that participate uh, from 84 kids in 2016 to 462 students testing in 2018. Right. Um, and so the idea that, uh, that some kids might be slipping through the cracks if the district can no longer afford to do that becomes a real uh, a reality. And so we've had kind of um, a groundswell of requests from districts. Can we get help from the state for funding testing fees, especially for low-income families? So this past year, I wrote a Senate bill, um, number 5087, uh, to request from the state legislature $250,000 um, to support Washington State school districts to offset competency testing fees for low-income families. Now, the results of that request are to be determined because legislature is still in session. Mm -hmm. but to give you an idea of the range of costs for a big discount, like if you have a lot of students who want to test in Spanish, and they go with one of the um, well-known agencies here in the USA, the fee could be as low as $25. Uh, but if they're going for something we call a custom test, and we partner with the Washington Association for Language Teaching, their board members, uh, uh, one of whom is, is the current president of the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages, Bridget mm -hmm. Yaden, uh, they have been so helpful in cobbling together custom tests in super less commonly taught and tested languages. So they may be tapping into uh, a professor in Thailand that may need to be hired to help put together a speaking and writing test and to evaluate it, um, and for a variety of other um, very less commonly taught languages. Those kinds of tests cost about $180 mm -hmm. to cover the evaluation process, recruiting the national or international expert to help <clears throat> with the validation and the, and the credibility of the test. So we want to offset all of that, uh, especially for low-income families. I'm very optimistic that we will be getting some, if not all of the money, but I don't know for sure yet. Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like good for you for, for doing that. I mean, you're listening to the voices of the schools and basically the voices of the students who need this and you need leadership in place who's going to sort of take that initiative um, and take that data that you have and which I'm sure tells a compelling story um, and hopefully um, get that funding that you need. And I, I wish you all the luck in doing that. And I guess we'll find out um, soon. Um, but this really, I mean, this whole thing has been... Uh, a grassroots effort. I mean, I know you started off with seven pilot schools. Now you're up to 81. You've talked a little bit about the growth in terms of like the, the videos that you've done. Um, but how else are you getting word out to schools? And if they ask you aside from sort of financial support, but just saying, Hey, we'd like to do this seal of biliteracy thing. How else are you supporting them? I know you've mentioned a few um, pieces of that, but is there anything else that you'd add before we move on? As I've said, uh, I think it's, it's, it's almost got its own momentum it's a good thing. Word spreads. People want to be on board. Uh, even though it's not required, it is optional. But we are really proactive and responsive about interest in the SEAL. So we get the word out through webinars, state, regional, national conferences, and personalized professional development. I frequently take calls from district administrators, teachers, counselors, um, who <clears throat> may be stuck at a certain part of implementation, maybe have never implemented before. They mm -hmm. might be total newbies 
uh, or they've you know been doing this for a couple of years they need help with a certain aspect of it and so i personalize very much how i respond to what their need is to help them move forward uh, i have to say that um that oh and i provide an online tutorial uh that's updated updated every year on the seal of bioliteracy website great so a combination so of like asynchronous tools and actual yes. you know in-person events yep yes yes and our partners the washington association for language teaching which is a state membership professional organization they help new districts that have less than 10 students testing so they will do outreach they have a very robust website too we're kind of co-linked um, because they provide the custom testing aspect when there isn't a national test available through language testing international or or say alta testing agency or avant assessment um, who are our primary go-to agencies uh, so waffle does help tremendously with not only the custom testing but boots on the ground in districts throughout the state uh, for uh, districts that are just kind of starting up and have only maybe 10 or less students. Um, so yeah, we, um, we started, uh, it, it's not just you know, the state of Washington, but when we started in 2000, uh, school year 2015, so that's 14, 15, there, may, there were about three states in the USA that had the seal of biliteracy. We were one of them. Last count this year, there are 36 states now. Yeah, that have implemented the seals. So it's not, you know, it's not just us. It's, no, it's, it's not. Got, you know, it's got legs of its own across the country. It does, but I will say because you're not saying it, and it, but maybe because it's your humble. But you all have, I mean, the systems that you have in place and the data that you have at your fingertips, I think, are crucial. Which is why we wanted to have you on because those those states are doing and they're doing a great thing. But I think that um, some states may be struggling a little bit more than those. Hopefully, this conversation will um, will help those. I, I want to get into graduation requirements a little bit, particularly as they um, apply to like college and career readiness. Angela, how, how do you see the seal of biliteracy helping to support those graduation requirements? And how is that maybe, um, you know, important for districts that are, that are looking to adopt it? Absolutely. Well, the graduating class of 2019 is the first class where students in the state of Washington are required to have earned at least two world language credits or two years of a second language in you know beyond english <clears throat> now those wanting to earn the seal must also demonstrate a proficiency equivalent to at least four credits or four years mm -hmm. uh, and uh, in a single language or score high on ap and ib exams but as i mentioned previously more students are opting to get involved in competency credit than in ap and ib now this is really helpful uh, earning the seal helpful for four-year colleges and universities in Washington uh, because they, well, for students who want to go to college post high school. Right. Um, because the entrance requirement at all of the four-year colleges and universities in Washington State is at least two years of a world language or foreign language, as it is also called. Some require three. Um, but um, I've put together a chart uh, that I call college and career planning chart and that's posted on our seal of biliteracy website and also on the competency credit and testing website and it we'll it, make sure we link to that because I bet people want to see that for sure 
Well, it, it was something that's based in, in recommendations by ACTFL, the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages. What do you want to be in life? What do you want to do in life? What is it going to take to get there in terms of your studies, especially as it ties into a world language? And so uh, if you're going to go straight out of high school into a job or a career or community college or college, um, what do you need in terms of credits in world language? And if you've got the seal of biliteracy, you've got a value-added item stamped as an achievement on your transcript. And I think like what you all mentioned as well is the, the, just the value add that it, that it brings. I, I love that expression because that's what it is. And, you know, there's, there's one thing to, to, when there's a requirement for when a college or university says we require two, three, four years of, you know, foreign language in a classroom. Um, that's one thing that's seat time, as you mentioned, but to be able to have that value add that you have this certification that says, yes, you have earned the seal of biliteracy and here's why. Um, I think it's just hugely beneficial, both for the college to select the students that are best fit into their programs and for the student to sort of have something at the end that will actually recognize this ability that they have, whether that's something that they came with as an English learner um, and they learned English along the way, or whether they're a student who uh, was a native English speaker and then learned a foreign language. And I love it how that kind of ties into the whole equity piece as well. Yeah, thank you. So Patty, I want to I want to shift gears over to you, and you know this the, the path toward the seal of biliteracy I know starts early, and I, I know it's all by design, and I think that's great. Could you talk a little bit about um, what checkpoints you provide along the student's journey to keep them on track? I think this is like so important because some people I feel like think, yeah, like if you at the end you get the seal and because you did these things, but without a structure in place, that can be really difficult. So. What, what checkpoints do you have along the way? Right, so we're um, building this as a statewide framework for K-12 dual language. And um, what our districts and schools that are doing dual language right now, they have uh, trajectories of biliteracy built into their, their master plan and um, uh, formative as well as summative assessments built in um, to check and see how the biliteracy development is, is happening and what areas need to be uh, bolstered for, um, for each student. And um, we do not have universal preschool here in Washington, not, not yet. Not yet, I was just gonna say, not yet. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, so that's where we talk about our K-12 dual language. Um, but our partners who work in um, early learning, they are also um, uh, working particularly with uh, the educators on building their capacity to um, provide a bilingual uh, language program for their dual language learners. That's great. And I feel like that is one way that the SEAL kind of promotes better planning for both world language and English uh, language learner programs. So did you see that as being the case that it's helping to kind of, you know, backwards plan for lack of a better term? Absolutely. And Angela and I uh, work closely on our K-12 dual language initiative um, in Washington. And we see um, not just building these dual language programs to close opportunity gaps is the focus, but we also see it as an incredible opportunity for the world language community and the bilingual ed community to join together forces to um, produce bilingual students and bilingual biliterate students. 
I mean, how, how crucial is that? I mean, I, like I, I taught Spanish for 17 years and half of that time I worked in a district where um, it, it was a very diverse district and there were a lot of English learners and therefore there were a lot of teachers to support those uh, English learners, ESL specialists, et cetera. And, when, and I was just having this conversation earlier today with someone that when we would have PD, the world language teachers would go with the with the, the 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 folks who are you know sort of specials like you'd be with um, the art teachers and the gym teachers and everything else, and then the ESL teachers would go with the um, with, with the English teachers, and we we would not connect with one another and collaborate. And I feel like that's a missed opportunity. Um, perhaps the seal of biliteracy and the planning that goes on here um, is a way to bring those two groups together so that they can learn from one another. Do you see that happening? Is that happening already? Or do you see it kind of happening in the future? Um, it is happening, uh, last year, as well as, um, this year, we, uh, will be doing workshops on biliteracy development. And, uh, this year we're going to focus on master planning for dual language education programs. Uh, but it's a collaboration between bilingual education and world languages at the state, um, to offer these workshops. And um, the world language teachers are absolutely key to the secondary piece of dual language education. And um, so sometimes um, we tend to focus on just the elementary part of dual language, but um, we have to look long haul and to build a thorough uh, plan, K-12, and st uh, strategic plan that involves all the stakeholders. Um, we need our world language partners um, on board and um, part of that discussion as we're building it. I, I have to say I'm, I'm a highly optimistic about the, um, the, the, the sort of power that the seal of biliteracy has along with um, the sort of reemergence that we're seeing um, or the sort of rebirth of these uh, dual language programs and, and having those things in conjunction along with the collaboration between all language teachers. I think we're, we're at a crossroads right now and I see lots of opportunity um, here and I feel like you're, you all are, are leading the charge um, with having this, you know, these, pro these programs and these, this data uh, collection and reporting in place at the state level. So it's really, it's really great news. I, I've, I've, I haven't not been this optimistic about <laughs> the way things are going in a long time. Do you share my optimism here or is this just me sort of listening and thinking everything is, is going wonderfully? We're very excited um, to have the leadership support in our state to uh, move forward in a comprehensive way with um, dual language education and um, the tight collaboration between world language programs and bilingual ed programs. We, we know it's gonna be the best outcome for our students. Absolutely. And like you say, Steve, we've been operating kind of uh, that, that classic word in silos in the past and, and we're now, we're now uh, getting kind of woven together. And the seal has, has a lot to do with that. Yeah. Because it's that carrot uh, at the junctures along the way or at the end of the road as you graduate. Uh, I think your impression is spot on because um, I feel teachers need to see this happen and feel it happen and be integrated. In, in the one workshop that Patty mentioned about master planning. And I think that it is, um, it promotes a good of the order mentality and, and people finally seeing that, well, hey, we've got a lot to do together, not just separately, but together. Great. Well, I, that, that is an absolute, uh, I think, wonderful way to kind of end the content piece of what we're 
what we got at today. Obviously, there's there's a whole lot more that we could discuss, um, but we're gonna we're gonna shift over to some uh, other types of questions um, as we as we conclude this episode. So the the I have two more questions for you. The first one is uh, one that we ask all our guests. Uh, we have a growing collection of resources because of this question, and that is. Is there a book or other resource that has had an important influence on you, either personally or professionally? And Angela, I'll have you start off with that, and then I'll get Patty's. Um. Absolutely. Um, a couple of, of ones that I would like to highlight, um, one being Languages and Children Making the Match, and they've gone through several uh, editions and iterations. That's Curtin and Dahlberg, authors, um, pardon me. That has been a Bible for me as I've worked with world language programs, with elementary early start programs, immersion, full immersion, partial immersion, dual language programs in my past career and now. Uh, that has been a Bible for me. Uh, and, and most recently, um, I've been working with Amy Heineke and Kristen Davin, who are professors at Loyola and University of North Carolina, uh, who we wrote an article, and uh, and that is um, has just been published April April first uh, by Wiley Publishing, and it has to do with promoting bilingualism for English learners, the seal of biliteracy in Washington State. I know you're going to be including that as one of the resources at the end of the podcast, but writing that and rereading that is helpful to me right now. Um, that's current. It's how we are moving forward in helping um, students with the seal of biliteracy across the boards, but most importantly, how we're including the English language learner. So um, they've, uh, Heineke and, and McTeague have just published in 2018 a book called Understanding by Design in the culturally and linguistically diverse classroom. And this is uh, published through ASCD. Uh, so that's, uh, that's a good one. And uh, Patty, the one that you had written or had mentioned here is one I also really support and like. So um, a resource that I recommend is uh, The Guiding Principles for Dual Language Education, third edition. Mm -hmm. And it was published in 2018 by Howard and, um, team of experts in dual language and um, we're using this particular book um, to build our statewide framework for dual language education and we uh, really appreciate the equity focus uh, in this book as well as the rubrics um, that help guide uh, what would be an effective program. That's great. Sounds really practical and really useful. Um, so we will absolutely link to all of those resources, the books and the other resources that you mentioned um, in our, in the blog version of this, that, uh, that you'll find at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community. And we'll link to all those. One more question for you all. And that is how can people find uh, out more about the work that you're doing? I mean, there's so much here that you mentioned that we didn't sort of get a chance to get into. Um, where would be a great place for people to go to learn more about the work that you're doing? The Office of the Superintendent of Public Construction, acronym OSPI. If people Google that and then Google Washington State Seal of Biliteracy, it will take them directly to our state website. And on that website at the very top is the Washington State um, Winter 2017-18 
seal of biliteracy legislative report. There is uh, very comprehensive information in that report, including very specific information about the population that we serve with the seal in terms of, of uh, English language learners. Um, also, uh, competency testing and credits for world languages. Uh, again, OSPI, World Language Competency Testing and Credits. Uh, that is a step-by-step -step process to guide uh, educators on how to implement and work through competency testing. Uh, on those pages that I mentioned, those websites, I'm listed in the margin uh, menu to the left, uh, so people can contact me by just going to those websites and they will find me. Yep. And I will mention that's how I found you uh, as well. I think I read an article that I was intrigued by that Washington was mentioning and I looked for all that. And here uh, we are <laughs> chatting absolutely. on the podcast. It, yeah. it works. The communication loop. Has uh, for sure. For sure. And people need to take advantage of it. I mean, we know as educators that we learn the best by, by sometimes, uh, you know, taking information from others and adapting it to suit our needs. And I, I honestly can't think of a better um, a place to sort of take some information from and adapt than, than, the, than the information that you all have. So really appreciate you both coming on and talking about the work you're doing in Washington State. I, as I mentioned at the beginning, I think that this is a great compliment to the other um, episodes that we did that were more general. You really, um, I think, did a great job in giving us some specific information that folks can hopefully uh, use as they think about implementing the SEAL in their states and their own district. So thank you so much for the time. Um, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Steve. We enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.